What's up, guys? On today's episode of Stories, we got the homie Dimitri Mack from Modern Machines. And this dude's resume is all over the place. He went from playing in punk bands to hosting parties in New York City to becoming a world-renowned DJ. I don't care what he says. That's my opinion. And he's done it all. And you're going to hear a fraction of his stories in this episode. But don't worry. We're going to have him on for season two. It's going to be dope. Enjoy. Where are you living now? I'm in the Bronx. We're in the Bronx still. We're the we're the last stop on the six train, so we're like Pelham Bay. Like, you get off the six train and walk two blocks, and our building. I've been to Kenny's house, but are you are you? Yeah, by so, there. Yeah, that's it. I'm I'm above him. I live above him. In the, oh, same, I didn't know that. Yeah, same building, dude. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know you lived in that in that building. That's cool. Yeah, man, it's fucking great. It's just you know, it's it's everything I need, and like the one bedroom is just like perfect amount of space for me it's right yeah man and you know it's like since touring hasn't been happening it's nice to be like tell me about it yeah bro well you toured a lot differently than i did you were like what was uh, what, well, yeah, what was yeah i traveled like? by plane mm-hmm. by myself or with the tour manager and um and dj touring is a little bit different mm-hmm. uh than because i've done the other the other thing too i used to be in bands obviously yeah so i've done the van with the trailer touring as well mm-hmm. but as a dj yeah touring is different um you know the clubs they fly you out they put you up in the nicest hotels Jeez. <laughs> and then you know they send a limo to the airport and because <sighs> The costs of putting a band up versus putting a DJ up are completely different. Oh, yeah. You know, with a band, you got five people, four people, mm-hmm. plus lighting, maybe merch guy, yeah. whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, already right there in, 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 just, in just hotel fees, that's insane. Um, but with a DJ, you, you fly one person in. Maybe with the tour manager. Mm-hmm. Most DJs don't travel. Some it depends on the show. Right. And then um, it's one hotel room, one flight. It doesn't really cost that much to the uh, to the venue. Yeah, not at all. Um, especially because a lot of venues have deals with the hotels that are in their area. Mm-hmm. So if let's say you go to like Miami and you want to stay at a really nice hotel. It'll probably cost you, you know, three, four hundred dollars a night, depending. Or if you want to stay at a suite, mm-hmm. thousand, whatever it is. For the average person, that's a lot, yeah. right? But because these these nightclubs have uh, deals with these hotels, they'd be like, "Yo, put our DJ up," because they have DJs coming in every weekend. Yep, all the time. So they're like, "Yo, we'll feed you business." Yeah, put them up. Give us. They give them a rate for like. What it costs to the club is probably like a hundred bucks, which is nothing to them. But as a DJ, you get to stay in the nicest suite in the hotel. Yeah, exactly, dude. And then, you know, I mean, how long do the DJ sets usually go for? They're like three, four hours? Two hours. Sometimes 90 minutes. Dude, that's insane. I've, I've flown all the way to San Diego to play for 90 minutes and then flown right back. 
That's crazy. I was thinking like, yo, this must be tough. Like, this must be like four or five hour sets. What the fuck, dude? That's insane. Oh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. It's, I was out, I was out in Vegas heavy. That's a four and a half hour flight. Mm-hmm. I used to fly out to Vegas. I used to, uh, I was supposed to have my residency there. Um, this whole year, I was supposed to be flying out back and forth. Oh, um, I used to play these pool parties and they happened during the day. So I would fly out. It was usually either Saturday or Sunday and I'll fly out I think Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So I'd fly out Saturday morning and then you lose three hours because of the time difference. Yep. But fly out Saturday morning and then I would arrive there by like noon. And then the DJ set was from, I think like three to five. And then I'd fly out at 9 p.m. Oh, my God, dude. That's amazing. But then then you get back to New York at, like, what time? That's, like, 5 a.m. And then, so, it, it, was a red, it was a red eye. Yeah. So, I would get home. I would leave Vegas at, like, 9, and then 9 p.m., and then I would get back home to New York around 5.30 in the morning. And I would always my, – my last building that I used to live at, I would – uh, I had rooftop access. I don't have rooftop access on this, mm-hmm. but I would always arrive right around sunrise and I'll go up on my roof and I would like let my dog run around and oh. I would just watch the sunrise. That's so sick, dude. That's the way to do it, yeah. man. Fuck. Yeah. I wish, yeah. I wish we had roof access here. I missed that. That was, I, in Brooklyn, I had roof access and it was so dope. Like, cause yeah, you could just do those things. Yeah. But yeah, definitely DJ touring is, is a whole lot different. I mean, like, in my band days, it would be, we had four of us in the band, but we had a merch guy and a lighting guy, mm-hmm. six people. And this is with Theo and the, and the skyscrapers? Theo and the skyscrapers, okay. yeah. Um, and then me and the, the drummer would share a room, and then the uh, the lighting guy and the merch guy would share a room. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Theo and her husband would share a room. Oh yeah, the- uh, we're still we're still staying in hotel rooms, but it's definitely like, dude, the DJ hotel rooms—they put you up like when I go to Vegas or even Miami or anywhere like Vegas, especially. It's such a different level there, and that's like the mecca. If you're a DJ, that's where you want to be DJing. Gotcha. That's where like Tiesto, Calvin Harris, Zed, Steve Aoki, like the top of the top play. Mm-hmm. So if you get a residency in Vegas, like you've not made it, but like you're. It's a, it's a, such a small percentage of, of DJs that get to perform in Vegas. Yeah, it's man. a very, like, if you're playing in Vegas, you're basically, like, at a certain level mm-hmm. because it's, that market is so locked up for DJs. Like, if you're a DJ, like, if you're a DJ, like, yo, I live in North Dakota or fucking North Carolina or whatever, and I'm trying to make it as a DJ, like, that's the dream for most DJs to, to try and play uh, in Vegas. Yeah, that's... And then when you get funny. there, like, you go to a private fucking entrance. The limo drops you off at a private entrance. They put you up. You get a private elevator. You get, like... It doesn't matter who you are because they treat everybody the same. So you kind of get, like, that experience of, like... You get security that walks you from your hotel room to the DJ booth, like all the way. And I've, I've, t- I've, there have been times where I've been like, dude, nobody's gonna like attack me or like, <laughs> yeah, like, 
stop me or like be weird about it. They're like, yo, that's that's just the that's just like their that's where it starts. Yeah. So you're already starting at like a pretty intense level of of hospitality. Yeah, man. Um so yeah, it's definitely different different than like you know, band days where nobody gives a shit and you're carrying your bass amp up the fucking stairs. Yeah, and exactly. And like you got, yeah, I actually saw a meme of a, a 2020 be like, and it's a guy at the bottom of the stairs with a fucking, uh, a bass amp. Just trying to, <laughs> and that's what I feel. I like, I was like, I tweeted about it. I was like, man, I really don't miss the, uh, the band days. I mean, I do because it's like, it gets lonely as a, as a DJ when you travel by yourself. It does get lonely. Oh, yeah. And that's why most DJs get tour managers. Not because you need... I mean, you kind of do, but you don't. Yeah. But most DJ friends that I know, it's so you have a buddy to kind of, like, fuck around with. And there's a lot of, like, downtime in airports. And it just gets lonely on the road. Even when you're in a band, too, right? Like, yeah, I'm dude. sure, you know, from your experience... Yeah, man, it's it's it gets really lonely, but I found those moments are so. I mean, depending on the person, I know some people get real depressed on the road, and but yeah. I mean, for me personally, like, I was always able to like, even if it was a tour where I didn't know anybody, and it was like you know a tour where, you know, like on like a Billy Idol tour or something like that. That's a tour where we're getting our own rooms. We don't really see each other. We are just doing our own thing. Right. So, and that, that gets a little lonely for sure, because you're kind of, you're literally just like, even on days off, like nobody's like hitting each other up to be like, let's hang out, you know, like, yeah. so it's one of those things to where you are kind of like on your own a lot and have to just make your own fucking fun. And luckily, yeah. luckily I know enough people around the, the, the country that I was able to be like, yo, I got a day off here. Let's hang out. Like, so right. that yeah. worked out, but but I mean, I'm sure you have the same thing. Like with, I mean, you have probably friends everywhere that you can like. Yeah, I mean, just three years of touring. I, I, any city I go to, I can I can kind of pull up somebody's, uh, whoever's wh wherever I go. Um, but even then, like even then, like even friends that are, live in in cities that I'll be touring, they'll be like, they'll hit you with with the uh, how long are you in town for? Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> yeah, keep me on the list. I'll, I'll try to swing by, and I'm like, dude, like I'm not putting you on the list if you're not coming by because there's other people that can use it. But yeah, um, I, yeah, for sure. But even even when you have friends in cities, it's still like, you know, you might get into a town and then somebody will either be working or mm -hmm. they can't make it or whatever. But yeah, I, I mean. I, I'm also like I'm also comfortable with like being by myself. So there have been times where I've like traveled and I'll literally like I'll get to a hotel, check in, and then I'll just go explore by myself. Like I'm fine with doing that. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, man. When when there was things to be able to explore, I was always doing that. I was like, all right, cool. Like the last few tours I did before it shut down. <laughs> aside from one Manchester orchestra tour, like it was all with people I didn't know. It was like, I was hired by a company and I was like, it was like, Hey, this is your merch guy. Cool. All right. right. That's it. And it was fine, but you know, it's definitely like, yeah, I found like I was spending more time on my own and like I was exploring the cities like 
kind of like by myself and I was like, oh shit, I've never really done that before. I've always, it's always been like homies on tour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of get away from that. It's cool. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. The difference between DJ touring and, um, and band touring is that with, uh, with, with band touring, um, I also feel like there's a lot more bands on tour in general because I think I remember um, I was on tour with Theo and the Skyscrapers and I think Kenny was on tour with, what the fuck was that band's name? Mm. A- Aiden? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the band? Yeah, that's the band. That's the band he would have been on tour with. And I think we were like texting on our fucking sidekicks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we ended up meeting up at a parking lot. It was like in Arizona somewhere or fucking Texas. I don't remember where it was, but like, I think bands tour a lot more than DJs because like, like I said, with DJs, like you fly in, you fly out. There's barely any, like any kind of with a band. Like when you leave for tour, like I remember when I was with Theo, you pack your bags for two months. Yeah. You That's it. go to fly to Vegas and then fly back the same night. Nope. There's none of that. No. You pack your bags and you're gone. Yeah. You're on the road. That's it. <laughs> um, and so I feel like when, when, when I was touring, when I was doing the band touring, there would be a lot of, Hey, let's, Oh, you're, 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 you're playing this show. Oh, I remember, I remember I was playing, um, we were playing at, the masquerade is that a is that a yeah venue? in Atlanta in yeah Atlanta? yeah there's dude there's they two, have two ven- yeah yeah heaven and and I remember I forget who was playing but one of our friends bands was playing I I forget what room we were playing and then we all just kind of like hung out like you know backstage or mm-hmm. when you're also you know in band touring there's a lot of uh, multi uh, bands tours like yeah. package tours yeah dude. You get to tour with like forty people. Mm-hmm. There's none of that in the DJ world. There's no Warp Tour. There's no Ozfest. No. Um, you know, a lot of there are festivals, but they're one-offs. Yeah. You know, you have Electric Zoo or mm-hmm. Ultra Music Festival in Miami. You fly in. I, you know, I've I've played down in Miami during Ultra. Oh, that's. You fly sick. in, and and then you see your homies. Everybody's down there for the weekend and then mm-hmm. that's it yeah but i remember being on tour with bands like you know when i was with theo we we did the rancid tour so yeah. you're on tour for, for 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 a while and there's you kind of get to make those tour friendships mm-hmm. yeah man and that i feel like that's the thing that i definitely miss being on tour because i remember we were on tour with uh with rancid and we played in Boston, and somebody broke into our our dressing room, and they stole a bunch of stuff. Oh shit! And we went hunting for them. And <laughs> skyscraper's name was actually because all of us were like six, four, and above. You guys were giants, yes. Yeah, exactly. So Sean, our guitar player, was even taller than me. I was okay. six four. He's like <laughs> six seven or something. Um, and then so somebody broke into our and they stole a bunch of stuff from us and so it's me 
Sean, who's six seven, our our drummer, who's also six five. Oh I was actually the shortest skyscraper, which if you can believe, that's fucking crazy. Because I'm yeah, you're I'm a tall. giant. I've met. I was the shortest yeah. guy in the band. That's insane. <laughs> so it's me, our our fucking our drummer, our guitar player, Sean, and then a couple of the Ransom Crew guys, which were all fucking like tatted up like guys you don't want to fuck with no like, no those are not you know, guys you want coming after we you. all went out looking for and then we found dude we're walking past the 7-eleven and we see a kid so theo our singer mm -hmm. who's a girl mm -hmm. uh her bag which had her like ipod and kind of makeup shit yeah pink and had like kind of like these glittery kind of things uh -huh. around the the bag we see a kid in fucking 7-Eleven holding it, and you can see it shining because it's it's pink and it's. <laughs> and me, I go, Sean, I think that's Theo's bag. And we're, dude, me, Sean, two rancid tour guys. Imagine like these. We're all tatted up. We're all giant. We're all dressed in back. <laughs> we run into 7-Eleven. We pick this kid up by the fucking by his shirt, throw him across the fucking way. Like, cause like, dude, they stole our stuff. Yeah. Like it was a lot of stuff at the time. Like, you know, yeah. an iPod was expensive. Fuck yeah, dude. That's, you know, that's some Chanel shit. sunglasses expensive, mm -hmm. et cetera. So we're like, you have our stuff. And you know, if you watch that video, which I don't even know if it exists, but it, imagine if you're watching a surveillance video from 7-Eleven, <laughs> a bunch yeah. of giant dudes dressed in black with tattoos run up in there toss this fucking kid across the way, take the stuff and then run out. And the, bag is, the bag is pink. That's the best yeah. thing. The bag is pink and sparkly. So, so we got our stuff back and then we fucking jetted out there. This was in, in Boston. And then um, I think some of the crew from Rancid, they were like, yo, the cops just showed up to our tour bus. Like you guys got to be like away from here. And we were like, we started driving like yeah fast. like let's go and then um and then that tour met up in new york we played at bb kings oh right wow and everybody dude and new york when rancid plays in new york you could imagine the backstage scene like every hardcore punk rock legend is back there everybody's everybody. and everybody was talking about they ended up calling it the boston massacre <laughs> <laughs> just fucked it up so bad and everybody back there from fucking, I, I don't, dude, it was crazy. It was like everybody, all the New York hardcore legends. Uh, you know who was there at that show? Fucking Serena Williams, the tennis player. What? She was a fan of Rancid. Dude, that's yeah. insane. What the and fuck? She, she was like on the side and she, uh, she ended up coming backstage. It was, it, it was, yeah. Dude. That's madness. I don't remember if it was Serena or, or Venus, but one of the sisters, they were there to come see Ransom. and they, they were watching our we were the, the direct support. Um, but backstage it was it was who's who of New York hardcore and punk rock. And they're like, yo, we heard what happened in Boston. But that's <laughs> that's the thing what I'm saying is like that's the thing that I miss about band touring is mm -hmm. that it's a lot more there's a lot more camaraderie and people talking about you know, you're touring with 30, 40 guys yeah. from crew to whoever, to the people in the band. Mm -hmm. And everybody kind of like looks out for each other. And, you know, there's 
a, a brotherhood. Last day on tour, you kind of you you played a prank on each other. Yeah, dude. You know, that whole thing. So I would say that's like kind of like the biggest difference for me in that world and like DJ touring is DJ touring is a lot, definitely a lot more lonely and a lot more. You kind of fly in, do your thing. Maybe you'll have somebody in town that you link up with, hang out, and then you either fly into the next gig or you go home and then, you know, you kind of do it that way. Hey guys, here at Stories, we support family-owned small businesses. With that said, we want to promote our friends over at Purgatory Roasters in Middletown, Connecticut, and they want to give you a discount on their amazing coffee. Use the code STORIES for 15% off your purchase at purgatoryroasters.com. They are open for in-person service as well at their facility in Middletown, Connecticut. It's in the Factory Square building. So if you're on the East Coast, check that out. Also, they're all about punk rock and skateboarding and and I'm all about both those things, and I love their coffee. It is amazing. Check it out. Get the discount. 15% off stories, purgatoryroasters.com. For the most part, it's it's all you. Like, you got to be like, okay, like, well, like, yeah, it's, it's still at the end of the day, it's like my shit, and you don't have to answer anybody, right? Like, yeah. yeah. That's another thing that's different with DJ touring is um, nightclubs operate differently than live venues. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, uh, nightclubs hire a lot more people to – there's a lot more promoters. Mm-hmm. So someone can go to a nightclub and um, a nightclub can still be full even if they don't know the band. But yeah. if you're band touring and you show up to a venue, you have to have everybody there that's your fan versus, you know. Yeah. Uh, on any given night, a nightclub will be semi-full. Mm-hmm. Even if there's no, like, name DJ playing, mm-hmm. people will go out to a bar or a nightclub or... I think Kenny used to uh, work at Webster Hall. Yeah, we, we both like, did. Me and him did, too. Yeah, we both did. Okay, yeah. So... Oh yeah, that's right. You did you did the merch for the Kanye show, right? That got shut down. Yes. Well, no, we were. I was I was one of the stagehands, and it was funny because okay. all the other stagehands were like stoked, and they were like Kanye West, and like me and a couple of the older guys were like, I don't give a fuck. Like, let's just. I want to go home. Like, I'm fucking tired. Like, this right. motherfucker ain't showing up. Like, Kanye West isn't going to be showing up, and he didn't show up, obviously, but. Right. But yeah, Webster Hall. Um, but yeah, that. so like even venues like that, um, when you're a band and Webster Hall opens for you on a Tuesday night, mm-hmm. every single person that's in that room has to be a fan of that particular band. Yeah. Versus on a Saturday night when Webster Hall is open for nightclub hours, people go to the Webster Hall or XYZ venue because they want to go out, they want to dance. Yeah. And even if you, I've never heard of this DJ. I'm still going to Webster Hall or Marquee or Lavo or whatever venue because as a fan of music, I just want to go. So I don't care who's DJing. I know music will be fucking lit. Exactly. <laughs> In venues that ha- have a reputation. Yeah, right? of course. And Webster so Hall has like, that for Marquee sure. Marquee is the place that I play at. Yeah. It has a reputation on any given Saturday night. It's going to be dope. There's going to be a dope DJ whether it's someone huge like David Guetta or Skrillex 
or someone a little bit smaller than me, like me. But the venue will be packed, and so it will be, you know, if someone smaller like me plays there, there'll be people that come to see me specifically. Yeah. But you're not playing to an empty room because there's other people there that are just there to experience the nightlife and yeah. to experience a nightclub having fun. Mm-hmm. And they'll discover you that way. Yeah. Versus like when you're in a band, you show up to a venue, even if it's a small room that's 100 capacity, all those people have to be there for you because nobody's going to, you know, CBGB's on. Or I, don't even, I don't even know. What, 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 why am I referencing CBGB's? Irving Plaza. I don't know. Irving Plaza. There, are there venues in New York that are medium sized? <laughs> like what's, uh... maybe what's their hall, right? That's like a medium sized venue. Yeah, that's fifteen hundred, but I'd say like Or like Bowery Bowery Bowery's right? a good one. Yeah, Bowery. That's a live venue. So when you're in a band and you're on tour and you play Bowery Ballroom, mm-hmm. every single person that shows up to that venue has to be there for you. Yeah. I'm not going to Bowery Ballroom on a Friday night randomly. No. <laughs> right? No. You're going there to experience so I feel like there's a little bit more of a benefit when you're a DJ and you're touring because you don't have to worry as much about filling a room because yeah. people go out to dance and to drink, whether and, they've heard of you or not. And somebody's filling that room for you already, essentially. Yeah, right? like, there's promoters that work for nightclubs. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, the name of the nightclub carries itself. If people know about it, they're like, Yo, that's the place to go. Like Vegas is notorious for that because people are like, "Yo, I gotta go to Hakkasan. That's like the place to be. Mm-hmm. I gotta go to uh, Omnia." Mm-hmm. Or if you're in Miami, you're like, "Yo, I gotta go to Live. That is the the top of the top." People line up, even if they don't know who's performing, they don't know who's DJing. There'll be a line out the fucking door, and people can't even get in. Damn, that's how crazy it is. Like, that's why security escorts you to the fucking DJ booth because people are just dying to get into these places. That's crazy, man. Shit. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit crazy. Well, dude, I mean, <laughs> I don't remember when it was. You probably know the date better, but you posted a photo and it was you and Mika Zmanajad from the fucking New York Rangers DJing together. And like, oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of your posts, like you always post like dope shit and it's just, it's fun as fuck to see it. I'm like, fuck yeah, this guy's just doing it. But that, that was my favorite one and it still is. I was like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, that's, that's the other thing is like, when you're in a band, like, like I said, like, it, there's not going to be a night where the, the entire Rangers team shows up to a, a, a live venue. No, unless you're like Bruce Springsteen. That's right. Yeah. Or the Rolling Stones or exactly. whoever, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, one of the coolest moments when I was in a band is fucking the lead singer of Poison the Well showed up. And that was a big <laughs> deal for me. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were playing in um in Little Haiti in, in Miami. And he showed up and I remember like after our show, I remember running out to the parking lot and he was leaving. <laughs> And I was like, hey, were you here for my band? He was like, yeah. I was like, I'm a huge fan of yours. 
<laughs> and I remember like exchanging numbers with them on my fucking psychic. Oh but that my was like God. in the band days, that was like a big deal. Oh dude, right? Poison the Well was like Poison the Well was a pretty big deal in our day, and they still are, you yeah. know. But that but that's, was, that, yeah. that was like a big deal for me in in um in 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 the band, but like in in the DJ world, like the nightclubs, dude, you got fucking Jay-Z showing up. You got Nas showing up. I've DJed for, I mean, any fucking rapper, basketball player, a musician. I, I, I remember I remember I was DJing at the box and Sting showed up and what? I, I played in the bottle. And they were like, don't play it. He doesn't want he doesn't want his music played. But like those are the kind of people that I would be like DJing for and people like yeah, like it's so much crazier, the celebrity culture mm. and um like uh, like like the Rangers and uh you know I have uh, I have photos in, in DJ booths with all the fucking Mets players, Yankees, everybody. What I feel Yankees? like that's the big difference between the DJ world and 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 band is like I said, like when you're in a band and you play a venue, the people that are there are there to see you. Yeah. Versus when you're a DJ and you show up at a play at a popular mm-hmm. establishment. If you're playing at a bar somewhere like Lower East Side, nobody's showing up there except like bros. Exactly. From exactly. NYU yeah, yeah. Exactly. But if you're playing like top tier, like A level venues, yeah. Every single celebrity showing up. Like, there's been nights where I've been DJing, and 99 percent of the time, nobody will come up to me and say, "Hey, play this or play that." Uh huh. But there's been nights where I was playing in Miami. Uh-huh. And uh, what the fuck is his name? Um, soccer player, huge one of the like Ronaldo, Ronaldo like one of those Ronaldo. guys. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, uh, Neymar, Neymar Jr. Oh yeah, oh, that was soccer dude. player. Yeah, yeah. I we all fucking know. He's that like guy. one yeah. of the, he's one of the biggest soccer players yeah. in the world. I mean, um, and he showed up, and I was playing Miami. They're like, yo, he wants to play. He wants to hear some a little bit more hip hop, and. Those are the kind of choices you have to make as a DJ when you're performing because you kind of got to be ready to be on the spot. Like even if it's your show and Mm. you're headlining and you have hundreds of people there for you, if somebody that's that big, that's like that big shows up, you kind of got to be able to switch up on the fly. Like I've played in Vegas where the Kardashians showed up and you know, people in our world, like metal and rock and, you know, there's a picture of the fucking the guitar player from Slayer wearing a shirt that says kill the Kardashians, right? Yeah. So in our world, they're kind of a joke and they're corny, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like in the nightlife and hospitality and the rest of the world, they're a big deal. Yeah. Hundreds and millions of followers on Instagram and that just shows how much but, our opinions don't fucking matter on the Kardashians because everybody else yeah, li- so, so it's like fuck so off. So <laughs> when I was playing in Vegas, they showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I forget which one. Chloe, maybe, I don't fucking mm-hmm. know. But um, you know, the the club was like, Hey, um, 
when the Kardashians is here and they want to hear a little bit different music and you kind of have to adjust versus in the band when you show up and you play your music you play your music there's no shit on your laptop you can't just be like okay i'll download or play this song yeah in a band so there's a little bit more of you kind of give up a little bit as a dj um you give up a little bit of not freedom maybe freedom but you give up a little bit of artistic integrity right because when you show up and you play your set you're like this is the stuff that i'm gonna play you plug in your usbs or your laptop and you have your your songs that you want to play and then somebody a manager will come up to you and say hey so-and-so celebrities here they want to hear this and you you kind of have to do it because no matter how big you are i've seen djs that are 10 times my size having to kind of scramble and play something that because even if you're the biggest dj uh uh-huh. These celebrities are way bigger. Like yeah. you think about someone like, I don't know, Diplo or something or yeah, whoever, bro. you know, he has 6 million followers on Instagram or mm-hmm. whatever it is. But then you got somebody like a Kardashian showing up and they have 500 million followers. That's insane. the club is going to be like, we got to, I don't care who you are as a DJ, <laughs> yeah. if you're big. We got to please those people because they're way bigger than you. Yeah. And they're going to tell everybody about how much fun they're having. So, right. So that doesn't happen in the band world because as a band, you show up and you play your set. You can't play a fucking Kanye West song in the middle of your your band set. No. Right. You could take requests as a band. You could be like, okay, fine. I'll play this old song we haven't played. Yeah. Maybe we'll play a cover or Or some bands do covers. Yeah. Or like, or like, we want to hear something. I remember Metallica did a, a tour where every song was voted by the fans. Oh, yeah, that's right. That so you, that, there's that, but it's totally different in the DJ world where you're kind of, no matter how big you are, there's kind of sacrifices that you have to make. And I've seen it happen to DJs that are way bigger than me where, you know, someone with, also the money that's being spent in the DJ world is so, so different than in, in, in the band world. Yeah, dude. Because I've been in, yeah. in nightclubs where I've been playing and at the end of the night, I find out the club made $200,000 or something. Holy shit. That's fucking and insane. And for a band to make that, you have to be like, yeah. I don't even know. You have to be like headlining Hammerstein Ballroom. Maybe something even bigger than that. I mean, a two hundred thousand probably even bigger than that. Yeah, that's a two hundred thousand dollar. Well, I mean, for a guarantee, if a band is like, I'll make, I want to make two hundred thousand dollars. Like that's, it's got to be bigger than Hammerstein. That's got to be like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing is like the clubs will make that. I'm not saying the DJs making that, but that's the kind of that's the kind of power play that's that's happening Mm -hmm. that's why as a dj you kind of have to be like oh okay i kind of have to kind of do what they say because even if you're huge you you still are under their not control but because they're never rude i've never been in a place where even when a celebrity comes in or someone comes in that's like huge 
I've no one's ever been like, yo, do this right fucking now. Yeah. Everyone's been kind of maybe because I'm kind of at a level where I'm comfortable with the managers or the booking people. Uh-huh. They're a little bit more polite to me, but they'll come up to be like, yo, um, so-and-so is here. And also I understand the culture of nightlife. I understand the importance of a celebrity being in a place. Cause whether you're a band or a DJ, if someone's famous at your show, people hear about it. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you always see like, Oh, um, Kendall Jenner was at Tame Impala Coachella set. Mm-hmm. Like you always read about those kind of things. Like yeah. somebody or Jay-Z was watching uh, so-and-so at Coachella or whatever. Yeah. You know, you always hear about celebrities watching bands or DJs at, so there is an importance of somebody being at your set, your DJ set or your, your band set. Um, there is an importance of that because it kind of does, there's been so many times where bands or DJs or musicians or who are, whatever the fuck or artists, if you're a painter, whatever, whatever it is, if somebody buys into your art, it elevates your status as an artist. Yeah. Right? Like if Jay-Z shows up to your show, people are going to hear about it. Or if, if Kanye wears a hoodie of your, of your band or, of, or of your brand, mm-hmm. uh, or if he's wearing your sneakers, the next day kids are going to be out buying sneakers that Kanye wore or that Jay-Z wore. Exactly. That's why, you know, that's why there's kids wearing Iron Maiden shirts or Metallica shirts that have never heard of the band. <laughs> yeah. But they're wearing it because they've seen Travis Scott wearing a Metallica shirt. Yeah. And he also might, I don't know, I'm not saying anything about Travis Scott. I love his music. Whether he knows about Metallica or not, it just might be cool for him to wear a vintage Metallica tee. Yeah. And then kids are, are finding out about it and are like, Oh, I want to buy a Metallica shirt too. Yeah. Right. So whenever a celebrity is endorsing your band or brand or whatever your name is, people find out about it and it makes your brand a little bit cooler. Hey, do you guys like Pilsners? Do you like IPAs? Do you like stouts? Do you like beer in general? If yes, then we have the place for you. Be sure to visit DecadentAles.com to browse their current selection available for pickup and shipping. And make sure to use the code STORIES for 10% off your order. That's S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S for 10% off your order. They currently ship to 10 states plus Washington, D.C. Or you can visit their tap room located in Mamaroneck, New York, a short 30-minute train ride from New York City. Once again, that code is STORIES, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S, and follow Deccan and Ailes on Instagram. I always knew your shit was fucking airtight. Like, I always backed what you did. But when I saw Mika on there, I, how did that happen? Like, what the fuck? Like, did he just show up at the club? Because I know he does some DJing stuff. That was, I was playing at Lavo, and the entire team showed up. Oh, and this God. was... Uh, Zuccarello would have been Kenny, on the team. Uh, Zook, everybody. Oh. They were all there. It was the end of season party. The whole team, I think it was like 30 guys or something. Oh, my God. Um, they all showed up, and... Obviously, being a lifelong Ranger fan, 
I knew that Mika was a DJ. Oh. So I literally got on the mic. I was like, yo, Mika, come up to the DJ booth. And uh, I, I had sent, I'd send one of my um, artist relations people uh-huh. to go get him. Oh, shit. And somebody brought him to the DJ booth. Oh, my God. So I said, yo, go get that guy because he's a DJ and I know he'll want to be up here. Yeah, of course. This is like his shit. So somebody goes and gets him. And then he, he comes up to the DJ booth because. At this point, he was brand new to New York. He was brand new to the Rangers, brand new to the nightlife culture. Yeah. And then he uh, he comes into the DJ booth. We, you know, say hello. And uh, I was like, yo, do you want to go back to back? Do you want to DJ with me? And he was like, fuck yeah. And <laughs> we, we kind of, we, we ended up DJing for a little bit. And then he was like, yo, um... Uh, Zook wants to hear this song. Uh, was, what the fuck was it called? Um, hold on. Oh, Zook. Oh, man. I, I, I don't even want... I hate hearing his name mentioned sometimes because I get so sad. Oh, it was this one. It was like, yo, you got to play it right now. And I ended up playing it. And then we ended up like... Because like I said, I think he was like brand new to New York. And uh, uh, ended up bonding because I think I was like one of the few DJs that he knew. Yeah. And then we ended up, yeah, we ended up being like, we ended up becoming really cool friends. And he would come out to any time that he was able to, because there's like, you know, when you're a sports player, you're not allowed to be seen out, like, let's say the night before a game or night, whatever. There's a lot of rules that they play by that Mm -hmm. we don't know. Of course. uh, The average person doesn't know. Of course, yeah. Um, because I would see, I would see fans are stalkers. Yeah, people that are Rangers fans would follow my account, and they would leave like nasty comments. They're like, "Why is he out partying when he should be practicing?" I'm like, "Dude, he's a fucking human <laughs> being. He's allowed to fucking go out and have a drink." Yeah, it's like, like yo, relax. and I'm sorry if the Rangers don't win the Stanley Cup, my life is not changed. Like, of course I would love it, but like. Give me a, give them a fucking break. God. Right. They're allowed to go out and have a good time. Exactly. You know, and yeah, there'd be nights where he'd like, he'd be like, yo, like I can't be seen here, but I want to come see you. Like just, and I I always respect his privacy. I'd be like, yo, I'm not going to post about it. Yeah, of course. Like just show up. Maybe I'll post about it like three days later. Exactly. Yeah. Don't know if it was before or after a game. Exactly. But they're, dude, they're humans just like the rest of us. They need to blow off steam. If they had a bad game, I'd want to go to a bar and have a drink. Hell yeah, dude. Of course. Like, how are, and the thing is, is, like, people don't even understand that there's so many players that are, like, way worse degenerates. Like, oh, they'll just God. go and fucking do lines of coke and just go crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I'm not going to name any, but no, I've been around know, a lot of sports players in my DJ times and they <laughs> yeah. show up blackout drunk. Yeah. And, and that's- but here's the thing. People that are watching these IG stories or people that are watching these things happen, act like they don't fucking like go out to drink. Like, exactly. dude, everyone goes out to drink. People black out. People get drunk. People get wasted. Yeah. These people are just like you and me. They want to unfucking 
relax and, and just chill. And, uh, but yeah, that's how we ended up becoming friends. And he, uh, he's always been so supportive of my music. We've, you know, I, I've been to his house. He's shown me music that he's working on. Oh, sick, man. And, um, he's a good guy. And he's honestly, he's very, uh, into, into the music that he's into where there's people that are like, um, Oh, I'm into so-and-so, but then they're like, no one song. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's really passionate about music. Like he's very much like, yo, I really like this. This is why I like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, that's fucking And I think that's the reason why we bonded, but it's, that's, that's the thing. Like I said, that's the thing about DJ life is you could be DJing and then the entire team of, so-and-so showed up as a kid growing up i was a huge knicks fan huge yeah. that's my life i remember i was djing and uh there's a two-level venue and somebody was like yo patrick Goon is downstairs he's enjoying the music and then i was what? like yo can the manager like kind of like bring him upstairs to kind of figure out a way to bring him up here and they were like yo we're gonna try to offer him some some drinks yeah and then they they were like oh there's drinks waiting for you upstairs and then he ended up coming upstairs i ended up meeting him and i'm a big guy i'm six four this guy <laughs> made me feel like a fucking peanut dude I, i've never felt so small in my life i shook his hand and it was like seven times the size i was just like it was like this. Oh, hey, how you doing? It was so, gotcha. I felt so small. He's a giant dude, and but he was the nicest guy. But dude, yeah, man, it's well, it's, wait, it's how, all. How old are you again? Thirty-four. You're thirty-four. Oh shit! So you're you're like I'm thirty-eight, but like I I definitely grew up where like the Knicks were amazing and the Rangers were like won the Stanley Cup in '94. Yeah, of course, '94 so Stanley Cup, of course. Yeah. And like, I remember that, like it was fucking yesterday, but you know, yeah. dude, but then, I mean, the Knicks were one of those things. Like I know like people like you and my boy Lou have like hung on through the years of like being a fan, but like, oh man, like though, when they lost the finals, like two years in a row, yeah, no, I, I was, and, a, yeah, oh, I, yeah, dude, but that was like, that's what I'm saying thing. is like, when you're a DJ, when you're like kind of a, you just end up being in places that a, a band like I always see. I, I you know I've always been a fan of underground music, hardcore yeah. metal, punk, whatever. Mm. And I always see bands posting about playing, you know, these smaller size rooms, being on tour. And to me, these guys are larger than life. Mm. Um, uh, the bands that I love, like Poison the Well, growing up, one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, another band that I've really been into is Counterparts. I'm obsessed with them. Literally, like my favorite band right now. Dude, they're amazing, man. Holy shit. Uh, I'm obsessed. You don't understand. Dude. But I, I follow the singer and I follow the drummer and guitar player on Instagram. And I, I see, you know, I see them posting about the places they play at. I haven't been able to see them live because I, I only got into them this year mm -hmm. um, right before the quarantine happened. Yeah. And, you know, the places that they play, someone like Patrick Ewing is not just going to show up. No. Someone like 
Jay Z is not just gonna show up no. unless you're playing Coachella or whatever. Exactly. And that, exactly. I feel like that's the one thing that I is kind of in the DJ world. It kind of is the separation where people are like they just kind of assume that you are living this celebrity lifestyle because mm-hmm. you're around celebrities all the time, and you're like, "Oh shit, so and so was at your show." I'm like, they kind of were and they kind of weren't because <laughs> they're there because the place that you're at. Yeah. But they're not, they might, they might be there to see you, but maybe they're not, but they'll be there either if, if you're playing or someone like exactly Calvin Harris. Yeah. Like they might've been there like, two other times this week and you don't know, you know, like, and it's just so happens like, Oh, they like your shit on this particular night, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I ended up DJing uh, one of one of the most uh, exciting memories for me as a kid who grew up on the Rangers, uh-huh. grew up watching Mark Messier, you know, Graves, all the, my, you know, Richter. Um, Leech, we can't forget Leech. I ended up DJing a, a season opener outside of Madison Square Garden. And that, for me, as I remember post, I remember this exact IG story. I remember walking to Madison Square Garden. I got off the train. I took the train on purpose because uh-huh. usually I take a cab. I have my my laptop, my yeah. whole shit. And I remember I was like, I'm going to take the train because I want to feel that excitement that I felt as a kid. Yeah. And I remember going to Madison Square Garden and they had a whole thing set up outside. And they had a red, or they called it the blue carpet, not a red carpet. <laughs> they called it the blue carpet. And all the Rangers would walk out and I would play their favorite songs. And there would be thousands of fans outside. And people would be, they would be doing interviews. And as a kid that grew up watching the Rangers, being Madison Square Garden was a dream come true for me. DJing the Rangers home opener it was the, the the game it was the the season opener it was it was a dream come true and there's a band i feel like that's not a thing that happens right because bands don't play the unless you're fucking maroon five or whoever yeah, <laughs> yeah. right you're playing the all-star game that's it <laughs> Right, or like the halftime or whatever. Yeah, like or whatever. Like, you're fucking Creed or I don't know. What, whatever. what year was this but, you did that? Uh, this was, I, w- I want to say like three years ago. I'm going to pull it up right now. I have a picture. And I got my, my jersey customized with my last oh, name on it. Oh, my God, dude. And that is so fucking sick. I want to say either three or four years ago. I'm pulling it up right now. Hold on one second. 2000 years ago 2017 right okay and that was that was during the struggle where oh god yeah dude i remember that i was on instagram at that point that is fucking dude as a kid standing outside of madison square garden looking up at it fucking djing the rangers home opener that was for me oh here's the thing it gets crazier because that day that was three years ago. That day, I remember posting an IG story, and I was on cloud nine. Uh-huh. So my brain was a little bit fired. Of up. course. I remember saying, 
Next stop is inside the venue. And then you played Madison Square Garden. And then I played Madison Square Garden. Oh, my fucking God. Well, that's the thing, man. It's like, you know, people want to, <laughs> you know, people want to, like, discount all that shit of, like, if you put it out in the universe, it'll happen. But you know what, man? I think it does if you do. And if you and, and if you do it, it really, humbly, it really, it really does because every single thing that I've done in my career from being in a band or being a DJ, I've kind of put it out into the universe where I was like, oh, it would be my dream to headline live in Miami, which is literally the, the number one, like there's no higher venue than that. That is, if you're a DJ, that is top of the top. Uh-huh. And I remember I was like, yo, I would, it would be a dream come true for me to play live. And I ended up playing it. And the thing with when I did the, the Rangers home opener, I was like, cool. I'm just a DJ here. Like, and the Rangers organization picked me to DJ and yeah. there's thousands of Rangers fans outside and I got my customized <laughs> Rangers jersey. And in my head, I'm like, one day I'm going to DJ inside this building. And I remember posting the IG story and I remember going home and I like ended up like crying a little bit because I grew up a Rangers fan and, and just, even if you're not a Rangers fan, if you're a New Yorker, period. I grew yeah. up in New York. I grew up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, man. So as a kid that just grew up in Brooklyn, to go and fucking DJ the Rangers home opener and then say to yourself, hey, as a musician, I'm going to perform inside Madison Square Garden one day. And you did. Like, most people would, like, would be like, like, oh, I DJ the Rangers home opener. I'm a DJ, and this is my favorite team in all of sports. Yeah. And I'm here doing this for them. Mm-hmm. Most people would be like, done. This That's is it. this is amazing. Yeah, I fucking pee. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I want to DJ inside fucking Madison Square Garden. I want to fucking perform inside there. And then two years later, boom. That's, dude, and, that's so great. That's an insane turnaround two years later. <laughs> But that's the thing is, is it's, you know, it's, you just got to keep doing it and you got to keep fucking going after it. Yeah. Cause yeah, dude, all the things that I've ever done in my DJ career, in my band career, I've never thought that I would be doing them ever. Anything like, for example, like right now I'm sponsored by Fender. Like what? I'm not even. I don't even play in bands anymore. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> like, but here, but that's the thing. Is as a kid, I used to write my um, F backwards because I was obsessed with, with the the logo. Oh, and shit. Um, I, but I was never able to like afford like the really nice ones. Of course not. Who the and, fuck? Yeah. And, no, uh, nobody could. And then this year, I ended up connecting with them and ended up talking about how I want to bring in to uh, live instruments into my DJ sets. And they were like, we really like this idea and we'd love to sponsor you. That's why, because they probably know you're going to make that happen. And That's the thing is like, yeah. even like the stories that we talked about before with like Mika and the Rangers and mm-hmm. all these things, you just kind of, I think if you keep, at it and you just keep doing you 
you kind of draw in the energy that you put out there, right? Because yeah, a lot of the things that I've had happen in my life, you know, from the Rangers or from all the clubs that I've ever wanted to play at or perform at, including mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden, which is not a club. It's a fucking the, <laughs> the world's most famous arena. That's it. I put it out into the universe and I've said, hey, I want to play there. I want to perform there. I want to work with this um, brand or this company. And I've, I've just kind of put it out there and I've, I've done it. You know, but it's also because it's like, honestly, like I'm a pretty good, I can kind of smell bullshit with anybody any time of the week. But with you, it's the way you talk about these things. You talk about it with such gratitude to where there's no ego. And it's not like I played Madison Square Garden. It's like, no, I fucking was, played Madison Square Garden. Garden. It <laughs> yeah. Just, it's like, no, I it, was, it wasn't like, yeah, for me, it was just, it was uh, the, the the Rangers home opener when I DJed it, it was like I said, it, it wasn't like, oh, cool, I'm gonna go DJ that. It's another thing that I could add to my resume. Yeah. No, it was like I was, I I took this. I remember, dude. I remember that day so vividly. I remember taking the subway to 34th Street. I teared up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, on the subway, and I remember walking. I got on my Instagram and I made a video. And I remember walking up and setting up and, and they were like, yo, all the guys are going to come out. You're going to do this. And I remember standing there and being like, man, it doesn't get any better than that. And I remember I took that picture with my back in front of Madison yeah. Square Garden. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to DJ inside that building one day. And then it was just, it was just kind of, you know, just, not giving up and and kind of doing it man like i don't i don't know no nah, man that's yeah. dude I, it was crazy because yeah. also another connection sorry to uh no i remember um seeing the misfits on their at master square garden right that was the big show yeah rancid open mm-hmm. and damned open and yep being as touring with rancid those guys are my heroes forever. Uh-huh. And I remember Lars getting on the microphone and said, this was their first time playing Madison Square Garden. And I was like, wow, I played Madison Square Garden before Ransom. Dude, that's insane. And that, but that makes and sense. And that was like, kind of like a moment for me to wow. kind of be like, these guys that are my heroes. Um, and it wasn't, it's not a competition of thing. Course. It's no, more of like, no, not at all, man. Things that I kind of dreamed about and that we all dream about as artists mm-hmm. and having them happen in front of your eyes. That's well, what it all comes down to, right? Yeah, man. With, with touring. Stories. Yeah. As, as a touring musician, you, you dream about certain things and you just kind of you do them. Dude, man, this was fucking great. Yeah, man, I, I thank you guys for having me, man. I, it was a really good time. All right, brother. Well, yo, thanks again, man. This was fucking a blast. Dude. Yeah, man. Thank you, guys. Right on, man. Well, yo, enjoy, man. Have a good night in your fucking pre-war building. All right, that's how it's going. Happy New Year. Yo, you too. Happy New Year, bud. Hell yeah. All right. Stories, an all-access podcast, is hosted by me, Danny Del Donuts. It is produced by Kenneth Fletcher. Our theme music is Storms by Personnel. Learn more about what we are doing for the touring community at stories.net. That's stories.net, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S.net.